0: You are listening to Curious Cat, a podcast that examines the shadowy space where science and the supernatural collide, and I'm your host, Jennifer Holtz. Join me every week as I examine what it means to be a soul in a meat suit. Welcome to Curious Cat. Hello and welcome to Curious Cat. Today I took a long, lazy loop around the Pacific Northwest. I passed trees that I gawk at in the autumn when the leaves turn vibrant red before falling, and passed others that are bespeckled with birds' nests, which is only obvious when winter lays the branches bare. I passed a grove of fruit trees that, after the powerful rain we had last weekend, the whole root system is blanketed in pink and white blossoms, and later they'll bear fruit as summer approaches. Trees, they're timekeepers, displaying the changes of the season. Even in the time of high strangeness that we just woke from, the lockdowns when being frozen in place was almost dissociative. There are trees massive enough to drive a car through, whose rings count back to a time when the land they inhabited wasn't the United States, not yet, and they bore witness to the deaths and births of millions since their birth. Their complex root systems extend as wide and deep below the surface as their canopies stretch across the sky. Their roots intermingle with neighboring plant life, conveying complex information beneath the Earth's surface like an old-school World Wide Web. Trees. They transfigure carbon dioxide into oxygen. Their branches, leaves, trunks, and roots harbor entire ecosystems. Their timbers have been used to build cities. Their leaves are energy factories. Their chemistry has brought us medicine. They provide us with food, shelter, warmth. And if you've ever stood in a forest or grove and just listened, you've heard them Rustle, flutter, groan, creak, and sigh. Some cultures believe them to be elder spirits. There are stories about many that stretch the bounds of our imaginations but resonate as true. Transfigurers, wordless communicators, timekeepers. I'm not talking about Dumbledore from Harry Potter fame, no. Trees. Before we dive in, let's take a moment to listen to Majestic Trees. was a type of meditation, wasn't it? If you've never practiced meditation, and you say that you couldn't meditate, well, that's what that just was. When you let your mind drift into a space and listen to yourself or nothing, or in this case, nature, and you become a tiny speck in something bigger. That is the magic of meditation. So let's start with some tree fun facts. Did you know that there are more than 60,000 species of trees in the world? The breadth of tree species was finally cataloged in 2017. This global census spanned every corner of the planet, reaching out to institutes with relevant botanical information. At its completion, it was determined that there are 60,065 known species of trees. More than half of the catalog trees are single-country endemic, which means they're not found growing anywhere outside of the country in which they were found. Planting trees can help reduce crime in urban areas. Planting trees, trees in a yard increases a house's property value. Every culture has a story of a sacred tree, and in some instances, those stories intersect. Science is just now learning how complex and vital trees are. So let's take a look at the science of trees. The green leaves of the tree are energy factories, thanks to the complex process called photosynthesis. Cells turn, in, turn sunshine into sugars. Now that's my kind of magic. What about the wood wide web? Haven't heard of it? That's what some scientists are calling the uncanny way that trees communicate with one another and to other plants. The pulses trees send through their network, chemical, hormonal, and electrical, is a voltage-based system, according to Edward Farmer of the University of Lusanne in Switzerland. It's a system that appears strikingly similar to animal nervous systems. By utilizing pheromones and networks of fungi that resemble the neural network of brains, this occurs on the forest floor. This is how trees are able to send messages and signals to other trees in a kind of organic internet. Monica Gagliano of the University of Western Australia has gathered evidence that some plants may emit and detect sounds, in particular, a crackling noise in the roots at a frequency of 220 hertz that's inaudible to humans. All of these things allow one tree to help others survive, passing along warnings of invasive insects or disease or fire so that its neighbors can adjust their behavior accordingly. In one study, Suzanne Samard, a professor of forest ecology at the University of British Columbia, she watched as a Douglas fir that had been injured by insects appeared to send chemical warning signals to a ponderosa pine growing nearby. The pine tree then produced defense enzymes to protect against the insect. Trees took on a new resonance for Professor Samard when she was diagnosed with breast cancer. During the course of her treatment, she learned that one of the chemotherapy medicines she relied on was actually derived from a substance some trees make for their own mutual defense. She explains her research on cooperation and symbiosis in the forest and shares her personal story in the new memoir, Finding the Mother Tree, Discovering the Wisdom of the Forest. We'll talk more about the medicine of trees later. So trees Fight back. Four decades ago, scientists noticed something on the African savanna. The giraffes there were feeding on umbrella-thorn acacias, and the trees didn't like it one bit. It took the acacias mere minutes to start pumping toxic substances into their leaves to rid themselves of the large herbivores. The giraffes got the message and moved on to other trees in the area, resuming their meal after they'd moved 100 yards Upwind. So, how did the trees do it? The acacia trees that were being eaten gave off a warning gas, specifically ethylene, that signaled to neighboring trees that a crisis was at hand. Right away, all the forewarned trees also pumped toxins into their leaves to prepare themselves. It's not just giraffes. Researchers at Leipzig University showed that trees recognize and react to deer saliva. When a deer is biting a branch, the tree brings defending chemicals to make the leaves taste bad, says former logger, now tree advocate, Wollenben. When a human breaks the branch of a tree with his hands, the tree knows the difference and brings in substances to heal the wound. Trees are social beings. The science of trees doesn't just show that trees are capable of communicating. In addition to passing messages and critical information through the forest, trees have the capability of forming a sort of colony. These colonies, also called superorganisms, develop as individual trees' roots grow and graft together. Above ground, each trunk and branch system may look to be its own individual organism, Underground, however, a wide network of roots allows the sharing of water and nutrients between each other. Scientists have observed that younger trees, which might die in the shade of larger parent trees, are instead nourished by them. The older trees suckle their young with nutrient-rich sugar water. In the most peculiar study out of New Zealand, a stump appears to have been sustained as part of a superorganism. The stump itself lacks any greenery and should by all rights be dead, but on observation, scientists notice sap flowing within it. A sure sign of life. The study determined the stump's neighbors share roots with it and actively give it the resources it needs to survive. What's not clear is whether the stump is being supported and maintained because its roots add value to the superorganism or if its roots, you know, if its roots would die, then that would create a vulnerability to the community, like an opening for disease to get in or some other reason. Regardless, it's still an incredible example of trees in community. Keeping a member alive like this reminds me of elephants. They are reluctant to abandon their dead, especially when it's a big, old, revered matriarch. Trees actively impact the ecosystem around them. Yes, a tree may seem to be a passive participant in the environment, but that's far from the truth. Much like how trees communicate and interact with each other, they also benefit and even communicate with creatures outside of the plant kingdom. One study suggests that trees intentionally reach out to other creatures when under threat. Trees combating an infestation of parasitic caterpillars released pheromones that attracted the caterpillar's natural predators, the wasps. What a remarkable display of awareness and reactivity. A single tree can drastically increase the biodiversity in an area, giving animals and beneficial insects a place to thrive. So let's go back to talking about trees as medicine. I told you about one professor's journey with breast cancer and chemotherapy drugs, but what other medicines do we derive from trees? Well, in general, Science has proven that trees make people happier. How? Phytoncides. It's a kind of pheromone that trees make and emit. Phytoncides produce measurable health benefits in humans. They can lower anxiety, lower blood pressure, and boost the production of white blood cells, just to name a few. Birch trees are where we get silictic acid, which is a predecessor of aspirin. Ginkgo trees, which have been around since the age of the dinosaur, have anti-inflammatory properties that notably protect against transplant rejection. It's also recommended, among others, against difficulty, if you have difficulty in concentration, memory disorders, But also against peripheral vascular disorders. So they're having luck with using the medicines they're finding in ginkgo trees to fight Alzheimer's. U, Y E W, is used to combat certain forms of cancer, but please don't gather to use yourself. Some species are deadly. The Palo Santo tree is a sacred tree and native to tropical dry forests. It can be found in Ecuador, Peru, Colombia, and is considered one of the best aromatic trees due to its pleasant woody citrus aroma with a slight scent of mint. It has great properties, including a strong antibacterial, anti-inflammatory, antiseptic, and antifungal agent, agent. From Palo Santo, you can make incense, essential oils, soaps, and other aromatic products that offer us great benefits such as relaxation of our mind and body thanks to its aroma. It counteracts the symptoms of flu, coughs, allergies, and it purifies the air of your home. I think I've spoken about using Palo Santo to do that exact thing after you sage your home. Only trees that have died naturally in the forest are used to make these products because they're protected now, which is wonderful. How about the hawthorn tree? Contemporary herbalists use hawthorn's flavonoid-rich flowers and fruit as remedies for hypertension, congestive heart failure, angina pectoris, and others. Pines there are more than a hundred species of pines worldwide, and most have recorded medicinal uses. Cultures around the globe have used the needles, inner bark, and resin for similar ailments. Internally, pine is a traditional remedy for coughs, colds, allergies, and urinary tract and sinus infections. Topically, pine is used to address skin infections and to lessen joint inflammation in arthritic conditions. So speaking of pain, Trees seem to register pain. From his book titled Hidden Life of Trees, Wollenbin writes, "Beeches, spruce, and oaks all register pain as soon as some creature starts nibbling on them. When a caterpillar takes a hearty bite out of a leaf, the tissue around the site of the damage changes. In addition, the leaf tissues send out electric signals, just as human tissue does when it's hurt. I put a link to his book in the show notes for you. Remember I joked about the wood wide web? Well, scientists cited by the Smithsonian Magazine call this outstretched canopy and root system mycorrhizal networks. The fine hair-like roots tips of trees join together with microscopic fungal filaments to form the basic links of the network which appears to operate as a symbiotic relationship between trees and fungi, or perhaps it's an economic exchange. As a kind of fee for services, the fungi consume about 30% of the sugars that trees photosynthesize from sunlight. The sugar is what fuels the fungi as they scavenge the soil for nitrogen, phosphorus, and other mineral nutrients, which are then absorbed and consumed by trees. There's so much lore about trees from the Bible to modern day, and let's dive into some of that, shall we? So from the Bible, regarding the sacredness of trees found in the Bible, there are more than 500 accounts representing 22 different trees. The very first book of the Bible, Genesis, tells the story of the Garden of Eden and the trees of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. The tree of life grew in the center of that garden. From Genesis 2, 9, And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. In Leviticus, we are reminded of the divine sacredness of trees. Or, how about the warning in Deuteronomy twenty nineteen, when you lay siege to a city for a long time, fighting against it to capture it, do not destroy its trees by putting an ax to them because you can eat their fruit. Do not cut them down. Are the trees of the field people that you should besiege them? In Isaiah 55, 12, trees are personified. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. How fascinating. Another author, Brewer, says, on a side note, that many Native American myths describe trees as tree people, implying that trees have a spirit or awareness. The Bible refers to the sacredness of the willow, the palm tree, and the cedar tree. Ancient Hebrews considered the oak tree as holy. Native Americans have a legend of the sacred tree. It tells that the Creator has given to the peoples of earth a sacred tree under which all can gather, and under this tree can be found healing, wisdom, and refuge. The tree's roots reach deep down into Mother Earth and branches extending throughout Father Sky. The fruits of this tree are love, generosity, compassion, wisdom, patience, courage, justice, humility, and respect. They go further and prophesy that if humans stray too far from the tree and forget to eat of its fruit or in any way turn against the tree or cause it harm, great troubles will fall down onto humanity. People will become sick in the heart, body, and spirit and lose the ability to receive visions and dreams. They will begin to fight and war with each other and become unable to tell the truth or function as honest beings. Lives will become filled with fear, anger, hopelessness, and depression. The prophecy states that this will come to pass, but that the sacred tree will never die. And if the tree lives, so shall humankind. This prophecy concludes with the foretelling of a time when all people shall awaken from a long, deep sleep during a time of great need, and many will fearfully search for the tree once more. This tree will be found in the hearts of the honest and wise. I absolutely love that. I think we need that message right now, don't we? So let's do something cheesy and open our hearts to the sacred tree and to each other once more. Ancient Egyptians held special of special place for trees in their collective Egyptian hearts. You see these sacred trees in their mythology, religion, and art. Many different types of trees were considered sacred. The sycamore tree is found in the Egyptian Book of the Dead, as is the willow tree, and it was considered sacred to the god Osiris. The willow was thought to contain the body of Osiris after he was slain and later resurrected. Other trees considered sacred to the ancient Egyptians were the myrrh, pomegranate, and palm trees. The tree was seen as a symbol of our earthly connection to the divine. Buddhists consider trees sacred. It's best embodied in a story called Buddha and the Body Tree, B-O-D-H-I, Body Tree. The story of the Buddha is not only interesting but also relevant to the study of the sacredness of trees. It's important to know that there are many accounts and variations of the story. But it's said that sometime between 563 and 623 BC, Siddhartha Gautama, who later became known as the Buddha, was born in Nepal. Siddhartha became married at the age of 16 and all was well until he reached the age of 29 when he had four disturbing real-life encounters that opened his eyes to the suffering of the world. The first encounter was with an elderly man who was broken down and near death. The second was with a young man who was perishing from an unknown disease. The third encounter was with a decaying corpse, and the fourth was with a monk practicing a life of scrutiny. Due to these experiences, Siddhartha became disinterested in luxury and wealth in fear that he too would suffer from age, disease, and death. Therefore, he decided to pursue a life of spiritual contemplation like the monk. He sought out other teachers as well, but they were unable to satisfy his thirst for understanding and knowledge. Then he chose to live a life, denying every carnal pleasure, including food, and grew so weak that he himself grew close to death. Eventually, Siddhartha realized this path was not providing him with the answers he sought, but soon all he was seeking to understand was about to be made known. Siddhartha came upon a large Bodhi tree and sat beneath it for 49 days. During that time, he became one with the tree and was sustained by the nutrients of the soil below and the energy of the sun above. He was the tree and the tree was he. He realized that all are one, all are connected, all are equal, and we are all part of the divine. Once we realize this, there truly is no suffering. Thus, he became the Buddha. The author of this account, um, his name is Gregory Michael Brewer. His book is called The Ancient Magic of Trees, and I have his details in the show notes in case you want to read the book yourself. He also mentions, interestingly enough, that Isaac Newton was sitting under a tree when he was enlightened with the theory of gravity, which I thought was interesting. There's an incredible story and incredible lesson in the next tale, a Japanese folktale of a sacred willow tree. It expresses the sacredness of the willow tree, and this tale was taken from the book Ancient Tales and Folklore of Japan, written by Richard Gordon Smith and published in 1918. The tale itself is likely to have originated in or near the year of 1132 A.D., And there are many versions of the story. These are sometimes called the Willow Wife or the Spirit of the Willow Tree. So here's the summary. Hytero, a very poor man, had nothing but a willow tree growing near his home. He thought himself wealthy for having such a fine tree and often listened to the sound of the wind blowing through its leaves and branches. This willow kept him company year after year and he loved it greatly. He felt a deep devotion to this tree and thought of it as his sacred temple. That'll come in later in the story, so don't forget about that part. Eventually, the the day came when others of the village sought to cut down the tree because they needed the wood to build a bridge. Heitaro pleaded with the people and offered to gather the necessary wood from the nearby forest for the creation of this bridge on the condition that his willow was left unharmed, and it was agreed. Later that evening when the moon was shining, Heitaro stood under the willow and gave thanks for the tree being unharmed when suddenly something moved nearby. He looked around and saw a beautiful woman. He believed she was waiting to meet her lover and apologize for intruding. She watched him as he departed. The following evening he saw her again and the next as well. In time, he realized it was he that she had been anticipating. Indeed, she had been waiting to meet her lover. Soon they married and had a child. Then one day the emperor decreed that a temple to the goddess Quanun be built in the area, and for this the villagers demanded the wood from the willow. Hitara was saddened, but his grief was lessened because he now had a wife and a daughter. As the tree was being cut, chopped, and axed, His wife began to cry, and the world was growing dark. As she fell, she twisted her arms and covered her face, attempting to shield the cuts and blows. Hitaro could do nothing as he watched his wife die. Upon the final blow to the tree, he stood alone with his daughter. The author says, The first time I read this story, I was deeply moved. The irony and lesson found in this story is that Hitaro considered the willow as his temple, but eventually the tree was cut down to build... You guessed it, a temple. Do we really need to destroy nature to have a place of worship? Piety is found in the heart, not in a building, and nature is the true temple. We can worship anywhere. Let faith be in our hearts and let us learn to see the divine and the sacredness within and all around us. The next culture that we want to explore with the story of a sacred tree is the Mayan world tree story. Numerous depictions of a great sacred tree or world tree representing the union of the lower, middle, and higher realms have been discovered in the art and surviving texts of the ancient Maya and their predecessors. One such piece, a stone carving found in the ancient Mesoamerican site of Izapa, located in southern Mexico close to the modern border of Guatemala, predating the Maya. Depicts a great tree of creation and has been dated a century or two prior to the birth of Christ. It is possible that this visual depiction, as well as many others found throughout Mesoamerica, happens to be the same tree written about in one of the very few surviving books of the Maya called the Popova. In the Popova is found the tale of a life giving tree. It's the story of a champion hero named one Hunapu. One Hunapu spent much time with his brother playing an ancient ball game, but eventually the game became so loud that it upset the lords of the underworld. Two of the chief lords, Lord of Death 1 and Lord of Death 7, were so disturbed by the ruckus that they became determined to destroy the two brothers. They were sent to the underworld, where they had to endure many trials. One Hunapu was then beheaded, and his white skull was placed upon the branches of a dead tree instantaneously the tree was regenerated with life and the tree sprouted white flowers resembling his skull the renewed life of the tree so threatened the lords of the underworld that all were forbidden to approach it but the story spread throughout the lands below and above and in time a young woman a daughter of the lords of death learned from the tree and made a journey to obtain a fruit from the tree after a great search she found the tree and while reaching up to pick the fruit the skull of one Hunapo warned her against doing so unless she was sure of her desire and intention. She convinced one Hunapo that she was indeed certain, but as she reached to take the fruit, one Hunapo spat into her hand and she became pregnant. Because of this immaculate conception, life would be restored, never to be lost again. She climbed the tree up to the world of the living and gave birth to two sons. Who in time defeated the lords of death and resurrected the bones of their father, one Hunapo. Again, we encounter an ancient myth of a tree representing the unification of the upper, middle, and lower realms, as well as a tree that gives life. Much like the stories in the Bible, it's a woman who picks the fruit from a forbidden tree and a man who hangs upon the tree as a sacrifice, granting victory over death and is later resurrected. It is also interesting to note that Adam and Eve gave birth to two sons. Additionally, this tale may suggest the unity of all peoples, that is, under the skin. Everyone's bones are white, and all of us will share the same fate. In literature and sacred texts throughout the ages, the color white, which is a combination of all the colors, I mean just shine a white light through a prism, has been used as a symbolic representation of the divine purity, hope, life, and innocence. We all have red blood. We all shall die. And underneath our layers of human flesh, pride, and ego, our bones and blood are the same colors. We are all equal. There are so many myths and legends associated with trees. Some of these cultural stories I've touched upon are definitely in that realm as well. There's also the story of the sacred hawthorn of British legend. This is the summary of the tale of the infamous mythological figure known as Merlin. It's not known for certain whether Merlin was an actual person or a mythical figure only. When Merlin was well-aged and no one knew exactly how old he became, a young, desirable woman came to visit the court of King Arthur This woman was said to be a maiden of the goddess who had emerged from the lake to give Arthur the infamous sword known as Excalibur. Though she was beautiful beyond words, none would discern the nature of her heart and true intentions. Her name was Vivian, and she watched the court of the king piously. In time, she grew jealous of Merlin's wisdom and power and set out to learn as much as she could from him by charming him with flattery and sex appeal. She was so beautiful that, in time, Merlin succumbed to her and revealed many secrets, some that he should not have. For Vivian, however, this was not enough. She desired more. Knowing that some mysteries are too powerful to be revealed, Merlin fled across the sea and into a sacred forest, fearing that he would not be able to resist her charm any longer. But Vivian followed. She cried and pleaded that her heart was broken because he had not trusted her. Once again, Merlin yielded and revealed the most precious secret, how to transform and imprison a man within a tree. Immediately after learning this sacred knowledge, she turned against him and the great wise magician became imprisoned forever as a hawthorn tree. Again, we encounter a tale of the personification of the tree. In this myth, it's possible to once more view the tree as a symbolic vessel of hidden, concealed wisdom, And it's no coincidence that the hawthorn, if you research druidic tree lore, is a symbol of hardship in times of trial, much like the tower and death cards of the tarot. One final tale I think we have in our collective knowledge in the United States at least is the story that Shel Silverstein wrote called The Giving Tree. The story is a tale of this lifelong friendship between a boy and a tree. While very young, the boy forged a bond with an apple tree, and they loved each other greatly. The tree gave the boy everything that he needed and wanted, such as fruit to eat, shade from the hot sun, branches to climb and swing on, and companionship. They played games together, and the tree loved him very much. As the boy grew into adulthood, he visited the tree less and less until the years had passed and this saddened the tree. In time, the young man came back to visit. The tree invited him to climb and swing again from its branches like he did as a kid, but the young man said he was too big for that now. He told the tree that what he needed now was money, and so the tree offered its apples so that it could take him to the market to sell. They agreed, and the tree was happy again. Many additional years passed until once again the boy, now a grown man, came to visit his tree friend, This made the tree very happy. He told the tree that now he needed a house, and the tree told him it could not give him a house because its house was in nature, but offered its branches so that he could build one. He accepted, and both were happy. After much time, he came back again to visit his old friend, and he told the tree that what he wanted now was a boat to sail away from all the stresses of society. The tree, in turn, offered its trunk to make a boat, and so he cut it down both were happy. Eventually, as a very old man, he returned one last time to his childhood tree companion, now nothing but a stump. The tree told him that it could not offer anything else, but all he wanted now was a place to rest, and so the tree invited him to sit down on its stump and relax. He did, and they both were happy. It's a beautiful tale. The story is sad and comforting, and it describes the most vital give-and-take relationship humans have with trees and all of nature. Can we live without them? We use trees for nourishment, wood, shade, oxygen, paper, to build bridges, houses, boats that cross the water. Yet another symbol of our journey into the next life and our yearning to rejoin spirit. The anecdote raises many questions, Do we take too much from nature, or does nature gladly provide us our greedy needs selflessly? Must we cut down all the trees to build temples, or is nature our temple? Is the tree passively or actively giving? Can mankind learn to find a balance and love for our environment? Is the true temple within our hearts? These are all questions worth contemplating. I'd like to end Uh, some of the discussion with a ghost story of sorts. It's a witch tree in India. In India, there's much talk of haunted trees. In the eastern Indian state of Orissa, there is a terrifying tree that no one will go near. The story behind this haunted tree starts with a rich merchant family from Bombay that traveled to the village on vacation. Since the father had been born there, Although the son did not make the journey as he was living in America, the daughter of the family, a young woman studying fashion design in Bombay by the name of Aisha, was fascinated by life in the quaint rural village. She spent all of her free time roaming about the village and its surrounding areas, and one day came across a peepal tree, which exuded a pleasant fragrance that hung invitingly in the air around it. Curious, Aisha approached it and noticed a beautiful flower of a type that she had never seen before growing up in its branches, an odd finding considering that flowers were not known to grow in peepal trees. The woman climbed up, picked it, and headed home. That evening, Aisha developed a sudden high fever and became bedridden. On the same evening, after everyone had gone to bed, the worried parents were awoken by a loud scream from Aisha's room. When they rushed to see what had happened to their daughter, they were horrified to find the young woman floating in the air above her bed. The family pulled her down to the bed, but some unseen force allegedly kept them from laying her down, as if she was forcibly being held upright in a sitting position. Finally, whatever malevolent force had overcome the girl subsided and she slept. The next day, she became even sicker and died but not before ominously whispering that the tree intended to kill 21 people. A farmer coming to console the family later told them that he had seen the young woman picking the flower and had also witnessed a strange white shadow behind her, but had been too frightened to do anything about it. The rumor around the village was that Aisha had been the victim of a witch who had once lived in the area by the name of Camilla, It was said that this witch was fond of using black magic to steal the stoles of young girls under the age of 21 in order to increase her power and prolong her life. Eventually, word of her nefarious deeds got out and she was lynched and hung from the tree by angry villagers until she died, after which they buried her battered body under it. Legend said that the vengeful spirit of the witch still inhabited the tree she had been hung from and still sought out young women under 21 years of age, women just like Aisha. The story gets weirder from there. Apparently, the only way to evict the witch's evil spirit from the tree was to find her body, dig it up, and burn it. Aisha's brother Raj apparently went to the village to do just this very thing, but when he was about to find the body, he was seriously injured by a rain of thorns and rocks from above, accompanied by a screeching disembodied voice that commanded him to leave and warned him to never again try to find the body lest he be killed. Since then, the legend has not waned. It is said that the evil spirit still inhabits the tree to this day and is especially active at dusk a time when people take long, circuitous routes to avoid it at all costs. Even in the daytime, villagers refuse to go near it, and it is said that anyone who touches the dreaded tree will die horribly, typically while coughing up blood. This became apparent when villagers tried to get rid of the evil once and for all by uprooting it. One 19-year-old local boy who was helping in the task of raising the tree, allegedly suddenly fell ill, coughing up copious amounts of blood and died soon after. It is rumored that before dying, he claimed that he had seen a ghostly white cat watching him from the tree's spidery branches. It has been reported that the murderous tree is thought to have been responsible for at least seven deaths to date, well on its way to the 21 dead prophesied by the Aisha on her deathbed. Locals believe that although the tree was finally felled and only a trunk remains, the spirit lingers and that it will not stop its killing spree until it has taken those 21 souls, which has prompted the grip of terror it still holds on the village. That's quite a story, isn't it? So I hope that our conversation so far has helped invigorate your love of trees. And I thought I'd mention at the end There are simple ways to take care of the trees and other plant life around you. Use and reuse every wood or paper product. Uh, Use both sides of that paper. From upcycling to repurposing to reusing shopping bags. When the wood or paper is finally unusable, compost it. Or if you're making a bonfire, use the wood then. Buy less stuff overall. From the fuel, the ship, to the packing boxes and tape, to everything in between, ask yourself if you really need a certain thing or if you can do without. If you do need to make a purchase, look for it locally first. So vote with your feet for small businesses and products made by artisans and crafts folk near you. Care for the trees in your corner of the world. Ask if your city or township is a designated arbor city, and if it isn't, Make a change. Ask your city leaders to consider joining. In your yard or apartment complex, take care of the trees there. And also take a moment to appreciate what they add to the landscape. Plant a tree in a place that's healthy for you and it. Show your appreciation of trees in your social media threads. It's a simple, easy way to spread your love of trees and plants onto others. I would love to see social media flooded with images of trees and plants instead of all the gloom and doom, wouldn't you? Be thoughtful about your water use. If you don't already, turn off the tap when you brush your teeth, take a slightly shorter shower, and of course, avoid putting any chemicals down the drain. Walk more, drive less. It's both healthy for the environment, but also for your body. And while you're out there, you can take time to savor the trees in your area, the greenery, and take those fantastic photos for your Insta feed. I hope you learn something new and never look at a tree the same way again. Please tag Curious Cat on your social media posts with those fabulous tree photos, questions, or comments. We love hearing from you. Thanks for listening to Curious Cat. If you like the content, stories, and information, We are trying to grow our listenership. If you find value in us, please recommend us to one friend or family member. It'll make a huge difference. I'd like to thank my audio engineer and art director. If you're in need of either of those services, please find their links in the show notes. Also, please be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, stay curious. I love you.